So one random morning, I was sitting in my Bible time with my coffee, cozied up when no sun had risen yet, and I had this idea that I'm about to go work out, but I have so many golden nuggets that God just gifted me. And I know sometimes they're just for me, but sometimes I cannot wait to share them with you. I mean, isn't that what going and making disciples of all nations is, the Great Commission, right? So I decided I would jump on a Peloton so I can still get my workout in and still check that box for my habit building, my habit stacking, the atomic habits that build incredible momentum for my energy and for my sustenance and for my family and everything I'm connected to. So this is your behind the scenes, your backstage pass, your not live, but still really good Peloton and preach moment. Okay. So you might hear me huffing and puffing, disregard that or not join me, start working out while you listen to Peloton and preach. And then you won't be distracted by my windedness. Just think I'm on the Peloton next to you or we're running just like, you know, not coffee combo. Okay. We're actually moving. So let's do the thing together. Let's move. Let's remain fit in faith by activating and not just talking about the activation. And hang out with me on Peloton. I'm live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 a.m. Eastern. And you can find me in my Facebook group, which is the Fit and Faith Network, just like the app. If you don't have the app, get the app. Or hang out Instagram live. Okay? It's really fun. Enjoy Peloton and Preach. Come breathe hard with me. Let's go. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie-cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, My desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Good morning. I am actually set up. I gave myself a 10 minute grace period today because I had taken down all of the contraptions that you guys can't see, but I'm utilizing over here and have them in my office. And so I had to set up today. And in the process of setting up, I was just like simmering in Jude. Jude is not a book we hear about often. It is super, super short. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about it in correlation to some things I've been walking through and some processing that's been happening in between these two things, (laughs) but in here and this place that can be a battlefield, but I also feel like it can be a weapon for good, right? And it's only through the renewing of our mind that we're even capable of utilizing our thoughts that I believe as a conduit from heaven, we can be, we can be surrendered to his word and his way inside of our mind. Now I probably need to find exact scripture to that being the case, but I know that there's times on here where I show up and I'm like, 
I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know where we're going. I don't know where we're riding to. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit comes and he shares so much wisdom. And it's through our lives, right? It's through our processing. It's through our lens, which is so necessary for all of us. I am so excited for us to be able to work this out together and in reverence to the season we're in. And I might lose some followers today, but I've done the unfollow me campaign for a while now. I'm just going to stick with it. We're going to explore ideas like Halloween. We're going to explore ideas such as recovery and how do Halloween and recovery come together. Mm. And a conversation that I had with my brother-in-law this morning when I was in my Bible comfy chair and he came down and I was like, are you starting a new morning routine? And he was like, no, I can't sleep. (laughs) Not many people are crazy like me, but look at you. You guys are crazy like me. And I'm so excited about it. So let's go to Jude and let's see what the Lord does. I got my girl Allie on the screen. If you guys are on the Peloton, hang out with me and Allie, my girl. I love her fro. Like if I could have a fro, I would have a fro. I don't know if you guys ever saw my weave that I wore when I was in a fashion show earlier this year. It was amazing. It was this huge blonde weave. It's killer. I should bring it to grow for God. (laughs) I'd make some people laugh. Actually, I might. Don't tell anyone. If you guys are here and you're coming to grow for God, don't tell anyone. Take a cold shower after my workout. Okay. Sounds good, Claudette. Have an amazing day. All right. Here we go for Jude. So Jude is near the end of the Bible. I believe it's literally, it's literally the book before Revelations. And Jude is a servant of Jesus Christ. So he knew Jesus. And he's also a brother of James who supposedly wrote James. Um, They're not 100% sure, but they think that he did. And it's literally this. This is it. It's two pages. And this morning when I opened it, I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking for, Lord, but I'm looking for some sustenance. That's all I'm in for these days. I just want sustenance. And when I open it, I'm like, how am I going to get sustenance out of this little bit? Is this it? Is this what you want me to read? And a couple minutes later, my brother-in-law walks down. And so I got to finish the whole book because it's that short. And also got to have a very rich conversation. And there's so much that God is working in his sphere, in the time clock that is his, that we don't give credit to. And we try to create our own way, our own path, our own agenda. And God is like, stop doing that. Now, is there obedience connected to your calendar? A hundred percent. But if we're not open to what the spirit wants to do in that time or in that place or in that conversation or with those people, then we're actually rejecting the Lord in those moments, whether you think you are or not, because you're like, I'm on mission. I'm on plan. Reading the Bible is a good thing, but isn't like being with his son. Isn't it being with his people? Isn't it telling the word a part of our call, sharing the word, exploring conversation with people, loving on people. I keep saying that if we don't put people in position before prosperity, we'll never get to the other side. We'll never actually receive and be in that place of prosperity if people are not the precursor. Do you get that? We're so driven towards success. 
We're so driven towards the goal. We're so on target. And all of our habits and all of our routines and all of our health conscious and all of our mind renewing, we're like soldiers on a rat wheel. And we forget that there's just God opportunities every single minute of every single day, but your eyes are so fixated on a prize connected to prosperity that you forget about the people. I can be guilty of this. So when I speak and I'm sharing to you guys, I am not pointing fingers. God is allowing me in this season so many unique ways to confront and have conversations. And confrontation, confronting, confrontation is not bad. It's an opportunity for you to explore your character, for God to sharpen you. So allow yourself to be sharpened and make sure that the sharpening is coming from the edge of the sword. They literally say that the word is the sword, right? And so if we don't have this in our context, then of course we're going to speak off cuff. Of course we're going to ruin relationships. Of course we're going to operate out of fear or we're going to operate in the ways of the world because the world says, okay, here's the calendar. The calendar says it's Halloween. And so everyone's going to do this thing together, a pagan holiday. We're all going to celebrate it. And when you're a Christian, you feel like you're in the context of the world because this is what we see in our natural flesh. And so we, we go back into robotic mode instead of a spirit-led mode. And we say, yep, it's that time of year. It's time to do that thing. And I got to tell you, I have been time and time again since becoming a Christian, since following Jesus. And I'll say that, like, it's following Jesus. I'm in this awesome DM chat right now with a gal who goes to a college in Florida. And I found myself in a lot of relationships right now with uh, young girls. And it's such an honor. It's so amazing because I was not those young girls (laughs) that I'm talking to. I was so broken. I was so lost. I was so in the world at that time in my life, lost, so lost. And I see people every single day, so lost, even in this Halloween season, so lost. They just have no idea what's being presented to them. They've never done the research. They've never, they've never taken a deeper dive. Definitely not into the word, but these women. And she was talking to me about, um, just the, the beauty of the season that she's in just so much wisdom. And I, I realized that she's talking about denominations and like what God is leading her to do. And this other denomination that she was a part of in her university, which is a very well-known university. I won't speak of it because I don't think that's fair. Um, but they were practicing a specific denomination that didn't care to have women speak. They did. They believe the part of the Bible where it says like women literally aren't allowed to speak. There is one verse and it is literally to this specific city. And it's specifically around something that had occurred in the church. And so people take it out of context and tell us that we're not allowed to speak the word. That's not God's will for our life. Don't let anybody condemn you for being a preacher, a teacher, an evangelist. None of that. Not in my, not in my territory. So she's going to be an evangelist. She is an evangelist already. And it's different than what the world says. So how does this all relate to the calendar, to Halloween, to, um, restoration? All right. So when I started to follow Jesus, which was, gosh, I need to come up. I know the exact date, but, um, six years, seven years, seven years. My business is five years old, might be going on eight years. 
And that feels crazy because I, I know Jesus. I followed him, um, followed him whilst having my legs straddled in both good and dark, light and dark. And it was so much friction. There was so much tension. I don't know if you've ever been in a season where like you're dabbling in ways of the world while also knowing the Lord. And we do this every day because all of us fall short of the glory of God. But in a way that's like, you know, you know, in your mind, you know, in your spirit, you know, in your gut, you shouldn't be doing this thing. And yet you're still doing this thing. And God is just like, mm, he's just crashing up against you. He's creating friction. I talked about friction on my clubhouse show yesterday, friction can only work effectively if we surrender because God is right. Not man is right. We are right. Flesh is right. We are always wrong. We have to submit to his will and his righteousness. And this is how it has to do with Halloween. Because when I came to know the Lord, little bit by little bit, my eyes started to open. There's the verse around scales falling when God comes into your life, the scales of your eyes that have been literally placed since you were a baby, since birth. They start to fall bit by bit. And I believe that that's something that will happen for the rest of my life. And I'm so grateful for that process. It's the process of sanctification. It's a big Christianese word, but it's the process of becoming. That's why my book is called Always Becoming Becoming More Like Christ. And not to own his identity, but to be of our identity, right? Like I'm not calling myself Jesus. Don't call yourself Jesus. You'll never be that good. You'll never be that sweet. But you have images, you have character traits, you have abilities. He literally said, we'll do far greater things than he will do, that he did. And yet we doubt ourselves because we get stuck in that dark and rather than living fully in the light. So one of the scales that started to fall was just like the practices of humanity, of our culture, specifically our American culture, uh, because this is where I live. And one of them was Halloween. So when my kids were really little prior to having this encounter with the Lord and him just like consuming me in so many beautiful ways, we would like take our little one to like the Halloween store because he was hilarious. And we would take him there to like scare him essentially. Why would you do that? I don't know. It was funny. He was hilarious. And so he would like roar at the, at the scary things and like stand in front of them and act like they were real and that he was tough and he was going to like kick them. And it was hilarious. It was funny. <laughs> things that are funny of the flesh generally are not funny to God. Have you ever considered that? Hmm. Even the humor in the comedy shows and the things that we laugh at and it's, it's awkward and it's sometimes real, but that's why I love my girl, Ashley Henright, who is on my, my, uh, show yesterday or Tuesday, my podcast. Uh, she has confidence and coffees podcast. You gotta, gotta listen to it. You gotta follow her on social media. She's hilarious, but she's hilarious from a place of light. So there's a difference, right? In how culture acts and how Christ acts, culture, Christ, culture, Christ, you cannot live in both worlds. And yet God is so gracious. He's so merciful that he allows us to have this transition season. And I believe I'm still in transition. I think we're all in transition between what has kept us bound or what knowledge we've previously had or what exposure to tradition we've, we've walked in that he's just slowly 
He's just slowly gonna strip you away so that you become more like him. He's gonna strip away ego. He's gonna strip away pride. He's gonna strip away all the carnal areas of flesh so that you can have this fullness, this sustenance that I've been talking about in every realm of your life. Halloween is no different. And so after I came to know the Lord, I love to dress up. I mean, love it. If, if you're like, Tamara, we're having a 80s party. I'm like, yes, Tamara, we're having a, I don't care. Put your own seal. What, what, drop in the chat. What, what ways do you like to dress up or what type of party? Like masquerade. I haven't ever been to a masquerade, but I bought a crazy cool mask in New Orleans. That's a whole nother story about New Orleans in this dark and light experience. But I, lo- I love to dress up. My mom has always loved to dress up. My birthday is also in October. So growing up, we had dress up parties. We had like scary, we would do scary stuff and we would watch horror films. All of this goes together. So stick with me. We're in this culturally uh, bizarre time when it comes to Halloween. And I know that there are the people who like love the horror, love the gore, love the fear factor. And then there are the people who love the lighthearted, playful pumpkins and the candy corn and the lightups and all of that stuff. And they just like to dress up. However, when you put yourself into the environment, regardless of light or dark, and we know light can overshadow, the dark is still exposed to you. You are still exposed. So this is where becoming more like Christ and becoming strong and sturdy in the foundation that he has created around you, this doesn't just have to do with Halloween, people. Think about how this is applying to your life. What area are you trying to dabble in because it's who you once were or who somebody told you that you need to be or that the calendar says you're intended to celebrate? So I'm at Target last night. This all goes together. Hopefully you're tracking. Tell me if you're tracking. Yes, Kelly, just like what you posted. That's so funny. I didn't even think about that. I'm at Target. I'm checking out. And the lady had just asked me how old my kiddos were. We were talking about dogs before and just having a great conversation. I was realizing how at peace she was, like not in a rush. It calmed me so much. I wasn't in a rush. Just such a sweet lady. Her name was Kelly, actually. And she, she asked me, do your kids still believe in Santa at that age? And I was like, well, we don't really believe in Santa anyway. They have a context of who he is, but we really practice the holiday around Christ and Jesus and his birthday. And they still get presents and stuff, but like Santa didn't do the work to bring the big fun present. And we did. And so literally since our kids were little, Santa might bring like the stocking and there's still like culture in there. But every year we've become more Christ-like. Every year we've stood more in the, in the security of the Lord and we stopped standing in the security of the world. We have choices and we can look weird. We're going to be weird. I get it. Like we're the weirdos on the block. We're the peculiar people. Biblically, we're called to be peculiar. I'm going to give you some other context pieces. If you're not a Halloween celebrator or you don't celebrate Santa and it's not on your calendar, 
Same with Easter Bunny, right? Like all these things, Cupid, Valentine's Day, like it's all done <laughs> personally, minus the fact of what the actual holiday is for, right? Resurrection. I said the same thing. And she was just like, so touched. She was like, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say that so genuinely. So like, here's my information. Here's my truth. It's your truth, you guys, because it is the truth and people will combat the truth. They will easily combat the truth, the truth that is literally from heaven. And they'll call you weird and they'll call you all the names and just say unfollow me. <laughs> like I said at the beginning, just unfollow me. It's fine. If you're like, she's gone off the deep end. She's not going to celebrate Halloween. I didn't say that. I'm not celebrating anything called Halloween, but I will tell you what I will do. Simultaneously, other things, if you're listening, maybe it's the concerts that you used to go to and the music that you listened to in those spaces. Maybe it was the breweries that you hung out in. Maybe it is the gym that you used to choose to go to. Every single place, space, thought that you're exposed to, maybe it's fast food. Maybe you need to renew your mind on what the world says is for you and actually take ownership in what God has made for you. Fearing the Lord is something I researched a while back, a couple years ago. I was so confused. I'm like, why would God want us to be afraid of him? Why are we supposed to fear the one that we're supposed to love? I, I can't imagine like fearing my husband while also trying to love him. And I did a whole search on it. I did a whole Bible study on it. And I learned that the fear word in context to God, in context to the Hebrew word, word is reverence, to be in reverence of, which is a big word, to be in awe of, awestruck wonder. You hear about that. We are intended to be in awestruck wonder with the Lord in his ways that are higher. And so when I think of fear, the only healthy fear, we talk about faith versus fear. The only healthy fear is all reverence of God. Everything else is of the enemy, everything, every dark thing. So I want you to process what are, what are some things that you're culturally just condoning that you shouldn't be because everybody else is doing it. So I can too. So it's okay. We'll just bend the rules. We'll bend the truth. I can have this on Sunday because it's my cheat meal. Can you? Should you? I'm guilty, y'all. <laughs> I am not pointing fingers. But I think about these things that is essentially just me not being strong in my mind or my flesh and not following the full truth of the Lord day in and day out. I was on a call yesterday and we were talking about gossip and how it almost completely destroyed an event of one of my clients. And I was infuriated for her because it wasn't just like baby Christians or non-Christians that were doing this thing. It was people who you would perceivingly think had the righteousness, the cloak of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness on. And yet... That wasn't the case because they were still doing the thing, the carnal thing of flesh. 
Because sometimes, you know, we have so many problems and it feels so much easier to just point out what other people got going on, their stuff, their mess. And this is what it has to do with recovery. Do you realize that all of us are in recovery? Every single one of us? Because there was never a season in your life. There was never a time, even if you were an infant, even if you accepted Christ and he came into your life when you were a child, you're still recovering. You're recovering from when you were in her womb, when you're in your mom's womb. You're recovering from the early days where maybe they made you cry it out because they didn't know any better. You are recovering from the words that have been spoken over you or the lack of words. You know, I know people who, whose parents never told them that they loved them, never said, I love you. Oh my gosh. I tell my kids I love them so much that they're probably like, mom, that's enough. <laughs> I hear you. I know. I love you too. I never want them to forget. I want them to know that that love is from heaven because there was a season of my life where I said I loved them out of habit. I said I loved them because culturally, traditionally, that's what I had been told. My parents were really good at telling me that they loved me. My whole mic, my whole stand over here, guys. Sorry, Insta, on Facebook is about to drop. No. This is what happens when I take it apart. Don't stop, get it, get it. Oh, please don't fall apart. Stand by. I'm gonna stop pedaling over here. Oh, let's do it. Please don't fall. Help me out here. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, Facebook, I wanna do this. Right. Stay. Okay. Ah, I got two cameras going. Facebook is about to fall. Ooh, is that prophetic? Just kidding, maybe. <laughs> uh, Facebook is about to fall. But about that was good. All right. So I say I love you all the time. And I say it out of tradition. And at that time in my life, when I was little, um, or when they were little, I'm sorry, they were infants, I was literally living in the dark. No light about me at all. No light. Gosh, God was taken over as much as he could. There was that conflict I was talking about of having like, one huge foot in the mud and the other like tiptoeing in the light. This was like a false reality. This was like who I was faking it to be. Not intentionally in some realms. It's just who I knew I was called to be. And I wanted to play in that space. I wanted to stay in that space, but I was just so trapped. So trapped from trauma. So trapped from cycles of shame. So trapped. And so I'm in a place of recovery. And I think about people who have other addictions. Mine was addictions of so many different things. And I think we are in an addicted society where people aren't raising their hands to the things they're actually addicted to and they really are addicted to. Even our phones, even Netflix, like people are like, what show are you watching? I'm like, um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't watch a show, Chosen. When it's out, I'll watch it. I know that I cannot, because of the boundaries that God is setting in my life, he's setting boundaries for you every single minute of every single day. Every time you open the word, you should be looking to be convicted. You should be looking to set a boundary. You should be looking for being sanctified. You should be looking for the scales to be removed. But do you know how hard it is to have children 
who are also in the world, experiencing the world, and they're trying to navigate, why isn't my mom and dad letting me do this? Why don't we celebrate this? Why can all my friends watch this movie? How come all my friends can listen to this music? Oh my God. It's so conflicting because if I tell them the truth about witches and because they want to watch Hocus Pocus 2, I know that the enemy has territory in places that are dark. Why would I take my child and put them in the middle of a horrific scene? You would not do that. You would go to shield them away. Even when something like a trauma, like a car accident happens, you don't like, hey, look at this guts and gore. No, you're like, ugh, protection. Protection. When you say bad words or somebody's having a fight when your kids are little, you're, come over here, baby. Let's go, let's go do this other thing. You distract them. God wants to do that for you. He wants to protect you. But if you are literally choosing Choosing that door today or any day, how can he help other than to be that conflicting nature inside of your gut? The angel and the, and the demon, gosh, the devil, the devil has territory. And it makes me so mad when I see during Halloween, all of these devils walking around. I cannot imagine. I can't remember if I've ever dressed up as a devil. I think I was always the angel. But a couple of things. The devil was an angel. The devil didn't look like that. The devil doesn't look like that. That's a man-made, fictitious, dark, fiery figure representing hell that we're condoning as okay for our children to play as, dress up as. Witches are real. They're real. Why am I going to expose my child to that? This might sound crazy. Y'all might be like, where's she going? What's she going to do? She's going to move countries, maybe, <laughs> eventually. But I'm not telling you this to judge. We'll all be judged. It literally says in Jude, we'll all be judged. We'll all be judged. But there are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and they deny Jesus Christ are only sovereign and Lord. <sighs> and angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound in everlasting change, for judgment on the great day. Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. These things are real. Those places that you see people depict, I don't know if that actually look like it, but they're literally sacrificing their soul to say, I'm okay if this is what my eternity looks like. But they play there in a short period, a season that the enemy is so proud of, that the enemy has full reign over, implanting fear 
and lies and false realities into the eyes of our children. The archangel, Michael, and Satan, who had a name when he was in heaven, and when he was cast down, he was cast down here. His eternity will be in hell. But he is actually disguised as light because he was an angel. He knows what angels look like. And so he looks like light a lot of the times when you're in that darkness and light. He says, it's okay, come over here. He's done it since the garden. He, he said a false truth. The world is giving us false truths. Huh, it's organic. Is that organic? Did you read what's inside of it? Y'all, these are simple examples for really deep concepts. And I'm giving them out in hopes that you'll have some revelation on what you're exposing yourself to and what you're exposing the next generation to, what you've been practicing. It's like when I was little, in high school specifically, I was on the, or middle school actually, I was on the cheerleading squad. And I was in ninth grade too, but cheerleading in middle school, I was like the captain of the cheerleading team. And I remember a time when we were having a sleepover and everyone was over and we were practicing witchcraft. Not like seriously. We, we were just actually, I say not seriously. I don't know what's not serious or serious, right? What's Halloween and not Halloween. It's all Halloween. We were practicing like light as a feather, sip as a board, light as a feather, sip as a board trying to lift our friends off the ground. We had a seance with candles and we were actually like going into the corner and practicing this like breathing technique that when you would come up, you would hold your breath and your friends would push against your chest and you would faint, literally faint. <laughs> Sounds incredibly stupid, but we were doing this. And during the seance, I remember the wind rushing into that room with the windows closed and the door slamming in that bedroom. I'll never forget it. I remember also doing lives of feathers of visible board and feeling and literally seeing with my eyes that like no one was touching this person and she was floating. I remember this. I remember it like it was yesterday. And we were exposed. Where we get that idea? Why were we practicing something like this? Why was this considered fun? Why was this considered freedom? It's not, it's of the enemy. And so I want to encourage you to stop it all. Stop it all, stop, be weird, be peculiar. So what are we doing for Halloween? What do we do for Christmas? What do we do for Easter? These are just Halloween holiday experiences. I love to dress up, our kids still dress up. We have a, like such a sweet time with our whole family. We have chili beforehand, everyone dresses up. We aren't going into the haunted houses. We're not going up to the really creepy homes. Do you understand that? We're trying to safeguard. Now, we actually talked just the other week before costumes and stuff about just making this our own weekend getaway with our family where they won't have any exposure to that stuff. But it's like, it's a whole month. It's a whole month. So yeah, we take our kids to the corn maze, not haunted, in the light of day. Yes, we carve pumpkins. No horns are allowed to be drawn all year long in our house. No devils. We don't do devil-like figurines, even though my son loves 
warriors and characters. We don't do that. We don't dab our toe in the mud when we know it's going to get muddy. It's the only option. And I don't want my children spending the rest of their life trying to get clean. Now they're going to walk in their own mud. I think of the prodigal son who was literally chose by all of the riches once they were gone and spent. And he had soiled so many relationships and he was eating out of the pig troughs because he was so hungry and sleeping in the mud. And it was in that moment that he had the revelation that even my father's servants are better fed and better kept than I am right now. I'll go home and I'll, I'll just serve. I'll just be a servant. That's where I am right now. I just want to be a servant of the Lord. I'm in recovery. I'm not fully clean. I'm still learning every single day. But I know what I know what I know. That dabbing my toe in the darkness is me calling out to Satan and saying, you got me today. What are we going to do now? I don't want to play in that territory and I want my kids to play in that territory. So the more I can protect them, the more I can also explain to them, right? Because I could do this thing and it would actually be not of service to them. And I think this is what a lot of denominations do. When we were talking about denominations beforehand, it's, it's religiosity. You can't cut your hair. Why? You're a woman. You can't speak. Why? You're not allowed to wear uh, any dress above. Your ankles can't show. Your skin can't show. Why? You have to get on your knees and say five Hail Marys. I'm not Catholic, so I don't know how you actually do it. But five Hail Marys and confess to somebody else instead of just confessing to God who you have direct contact with. I, I don't get it. But again, it's tradition. It's what the world has constructed as righteous. It's a false truth. Can you understand? It doesn't always look like doomsday. And yet you guys are walking into it. We together are walking into these doomsday type experiences because it looks fun. Why not? It's lighthearted. It's no big deal. No, you are, you are literally unrobing the armor of God. When you choose in your right mind to walk into the dark, it's just truth. Now I do believe that there are people intended to go into dark territories. We have to cast out demons. We got to be with the demons, right? That's true. You've got to heal the sick. You got to hang out in the infirmaries. You got to go to the bar sometimes, but you better go fully armored, not with the intention that I'm going to play in this space. You better go on mission because otherwise you will be destroyed. And distraction doesn't always look like destroying. Distraction doesn't always look like defeat. Distraction feels good sometimes. Distraction looks good sometimes. Distraction feels light as a feather and you're like, oh, Lord, my freedom right now. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself and don't let the world lie to you. Otherwise your recovery journey, I get it. I'm there all the time. But what I've found to be true 
is if every single day I open the word and every single day I come surrendered for his will instead of mine. It's why I start my day like this. It's why it's recommended. And this is a rhythm of grace, by the way. Some people wait until the evening to read their Bible. That's cool too, if that's your thing. But I want to walk this out today. I don't want to sleep it out. (laughs) I'll forget in the morning. I'll have a crazy dream or a weird nightmare where I also know that the enemy has territory and I won't be able to apply it. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. I hate the Halloween costumes. I hate them. It makes me sad for my children. It makes me sad for my son who sleeps in my room every single day for five years because some stupid teenager showed him Chucky when he was little and he can't get it out of his mind. He's afraid of dolls. That doesn't make sense. But the enemy knows he's got a grip on him. The enemy knows that he won't go upstairs to take a shower by himself ever. He's nine. Because of exposure to the free darkness. So I cast out demons. I say no to the enemy and to the destruction that is destroying families and children's minds and locking them in with witchcraft and presenting it as fun humor. It doesn't look like dark, but it is the dark. And you won't know the difference if you're not willing to figure out what does light look like? What does light feel like? What does light produce? Light produces light, okay? To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Let me tell you what the darkness looks like while you roam the streets on Halloween. These people are blemishes at your love feast. They're eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain. They are blown along by the wind. They are autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea foaming up in their shame Wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Sounds beautiful, kind of, doesn't it? When I read it, I was like, oh, it's like poetry. I love poetry. I love whimsical words. (laughs) It's a facade. What you see, what you hear, what becomes lighthearted. It's trickery. It's the Satan disguised as light because he knows light will draw you in. Because you're trying to be good. Because you're trying to stay in righteousness. Because you want to follow God. You're a Christian. You love him. 
So it's okay. It's okay, they say, come do this thing. We all do it. Everybody does it. Stand up. Stand out. And shine on. Stand up. Get out of the mud. Stand out. Wipe yourself clean. And shine on. Be the light of Christ. If you got to go into the dark, so be it. But please be in the word and understand where that light comes from and what will dim that light. We're in the flesh for now, but I have an eternal spot in heaven. And I want you to have an eternal spot in heaven. And the only way that you can do that is day by day, by day, by day, by day, by night, by night, by night, renewing your mind, getting yourself right here fixed so that right here can be fixed, so that right here can be fixed, so that right here can be fixed, so that right here your gut can be fixed. Renewing of your mind, your body, your soul, mind, will, emotions, and your spirit every single day. And see what happens to your relationships and see what happens to the world around you. You will begin to affect culture. You will begin to affect change. You will begin to see the places that were once dark in your life become light. I've seen light come on in people's eyes. I've got to baptize. There is no denying that Christ always wins. That he's already the victor over every enemy tactic. He already knows what the end looks like. And the enemy has no idea what the end looks like. The enemy only knows the past. The enemy only knows the lies. The enemy only knows the mud. But he also knows what heaven looks like. And so he's trying to keep you because he don't want to be alone. He's already been abandoned once. And so the more the merrier for him, the more he can distract and deter and push you down, the more he knows you're not an angel army. And God ain't having that. He's not standing on that truth because judgment day will come. And I still believe when judgment day comes, because God knows the beginning from the end, the Alpha and the Omega, that we're going to have an opportunity to save souls even then. You know, a majority of people come to Christ on their deathbed. And it's almost like because of some religiosity where grace the Grace Bible, doesn't matter what you do wrong, God will redeem you over and over and over again. There is truth to Judgment Day. And there is truth that fulfillment and fruit and prosperity and all these things that our heart longs for, love, joy, relationship, all of these things that God has promised to you, you can't have unless you're willing to look a little different, to stand in the light, to fear in awe and reverence our God the Father, our Savior of the world, the creator of all things. And so I don't want you to wait until you're dead because I see a bunch of walking zombies around. And I think that's where the call in my heart is. I think that's where the call of the church is. Not to completely dismiss those people 
not to completely remove yourself from those people. Don't you think love your neighbor as yourself is that exact call? The neighbor that doesn't know the Lord, the neighbor that has the haunted house, the neighbor that has done and celebrated in every way of the world, who wakes up muddy, who goes to sleep muddy, and who just needs a savior. You are a conduit of heaven. Do not let the enemy take that truth, that title, that identity factor. Stay in truth today. Live in the light. Experience his promises here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what his prayer is. The Lord's prayer for you. Here on earth as it is in heaven. I love you guys so much. I said, where is this going to go today? Where's this road going to go? And it took us down a dark alley only to bring us back to the light. God is good. He is great. And he wants to talk with you, walk with you, teach you, train you up. I think of sitting at his feet like the disciples did, which by the way, the disciples messed up all the time. <laughs> they, they did the things of the world all the time. They had to be stripped over and over again in their mind. And even after he left, there was trials and tribulations. And so there's been trials and tribulations and this road to recovery, this road to living a life of freedom is worth it. Your eternity is worth it. Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and it's going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to, and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener, and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.